Blog Talk Radio.
Shalom, shalom. Layalatawab, which means good evening or good night in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew. I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapa. I'm joined this evening by Hasadai. She is in the building. She will be with us shortly, y'all. Um, I hope everybody is healthy, man. hope everybody um, is in good spirits. Everybody's uh, healthy. <laughs> I, for one, am, am not the healthiest uh, right now. I'm dealing with an a ear infection. <clears throat> so forgive me if uh, I sound a little off, I sound a little low, I sound not myself. I'm currently under the weather. I'm doing a lot better than what I was, though, man. A lot better than what I was. Um, let me go ahead and read the opening scriptures, man, because I don't want to waste a lot of time this evening. we got a lot of information to cover. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on the daily, y'all. So we can get the hell on. All right, let's get Psalms chapter um, 118, verse 24. <clears throat> it reads, this is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most I brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. And you'll come out better on the other side because of it. Please believe me. All right, y'all. Like I said, I didn't want to waste a lot of time. If it's first time tuning in to the show, uh, this is Bible Talk, man. A little show that we've been doing here. Uh, Mashaba, myself, and countless others have been on this podcast for uh, well over 10 years, y'all. I want to send shout-outs to all those brothers. Special shout out to Mashaba, who's also under the weather. Y'all ask for y'all to send up some prayers for the brother so he may get well. Also, please send up prayers, man, for the brother Ori, his wife, um, the loss of the sister Kaliah's mother. Mashaba has been adding them to the prayer list. Uh, please uh, send prayers up for them as well. What I wanted, what I wanted to say, man, was, and let me do this. So round of applause, man, first and foremost to the most high in your house, Shai. Also that round of applause, man, is for the brothers that put the summit together that went down uh, this past weekend in Tampa Bay, Florida, man. It was beautiful, y'all. It was beautiful. I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed the last one that I attended in Houston. Uh, But it was beautiful to see Israelites, man, from all over the country, from all over the country, I don't think you heard me, from all over the country, man, and you've seen some of the most colorful, spectacular, beautiful, beautified garments 
and just the different styles from the different areas around the country, man, this is what makes Israel so beautiful, is that we all got different styles and different flavors. Man, I can't I can't say enough about it. But shout out to those brothers, the Masharah Yasha Allah, for uh, putting these events together, man. Pray that they continue, man, and they don't fall off. Uh, I've heard these brothers talk about being called misfits, uh, being called everything under the sun, brother, child of God. Um, and it's just basically was hate. And they're going to get some haters. Remember what Christ said. Uh, he said, woe when all men shall speak well of thee. So you, you, you need to be very worried when everybody likes you, all right? No, everybody didn't like Christ. We have to put that in proper perspective. We have to be happy being the bad guy, so to speak, man. And that's real. But I want to send shout out to those brothers, man, and uh, a big um, <laughs> prayers to those who talked about those brothers. Like Christ told us to pray for our enemies and those that despitefully use us. Prayers out to them, man. And the reality of it is this. And I was telling the shop of this, man. It's I-U-I-C. It's I-S-U-P-K. Safari. And then it's everybody else. That's not to belittle any Israelite camp that's not uh, as mainstream as the ones I just mentioned. It's not to downplay your camp or your congregation or what you're doing or your brick that you're putting in. But those are just the facts. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because when I say it's everybody else, who's going to gather everybody else and establish some type of order within everybody else? And these brothers took it upon themselves to do that, man. So all praises to the Most High and all praises to those men, man, honestly. Um what does it tell us in uh, Proverbs chapter 31 that you can praise a, a virtuous woman, right? <laughs> so can, can, can't you also uh, praise a man? I didn't say worship. There's a difference. I just want to get those brothers their flowers, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, also, I appreciate it affiliating with the Houston camp. Our brothers out there in Houston, Kwasazop, Shathat, uh, and the brother, uh, the young brother, um, who's a hell of a driver, <laughs> the brother uh, Lashab, uh, I'm butchering his brother's name. Hold on, let me get his name right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. I ain't going to butcher his brother's name. I'm going to send him a shout out and I'm going to jack out the jacket name up. Lashad Gabor, I believe his name is, yeah. Lashad Gabor. Lashad Gabor. Want to send a shout-out to him, man. It was pleasant being around you, brother. Fire spirit, brother. Just wish you would talk a little bit more. But uh, shout-out to you, Kwasadab, Shathat. Um... Also, shout-out to Zab Nala, man, and the crew that he brought down from Rochester. Uh, also, shout-out to uh, the brothers, the car that came down from VA. 
and the crew that came with him, man. Strong, young brother, and a couple age brothers that they had with them, man. Shout out to you, brothers. I thoroughly enjoyed my time that we spent together. I'm looking forward to seeing you brothers again, spending more time. Um, Florida, y'all, is different. It's a different place, man. It's, it's, it's a lot of mess going on in Florida by way of Esau. Man, I don't know. Uh, I stopped counting how many uh, Edomites I've seen with no damn teeth in their mouth. Uh, and the racism is real. Definitely real. But I really wasn't tripping off all that. I'm just, I was, when I go somewhere, man, I'd be like a tourist, you know? I just, I observe everything. I'm checking everything out, man. But beautiful, very beautiful place, man. And I could see when uh, Esau got here, how he felt. And I'm talking about before he built all his highways and he started polluting the air and all of that, just the nature and the vegetation that he saw when he got here, that he believed it was, in fact, a paradise because, yeah, it still looks like that, y'all. We left San Antonio, I think it was maybe in the 60s. We got to Florida, and we're talking Central Florida. It was like 85 degrees, man. It was beautiful. Trees, vegetation everywhere. I love going down south anyway, specifically for that purpose, man. I love to see the greenery and the vegetation. Anyway, y'all, um, let me get off of that. Uh, this is FYI, um, not Tyler Pie Tuesdays. Uh, I wanted to do a show on Tuesday. I just did not have the strength, man. Um, after that uh, tumultuous <laughs> car ride, <laughs> uh, and then brother came back sick. But anyway, uh, FYI, I'm going to continue um, Feast of Lights, Hanukkah, what it is. And tonight, y'all, we're going to do a lot, a lot, a lot of reading, a lot of reading, y'all. So I'm just preparing your mind for it. All right, we're going to jump right into it. Um, let's go to oh, let's go to that Bible Atlas book right there, page 183. So last week we covered, um, we introduced the Maccabees by way of the dad, Matthias, Maccabeus. Actually, his name is Matthias. The only one that was really called Maccabeus or Hammer was Judas. But um, somehow the whole family just became synonymous with uh, Judas, Maccabeus, and they started calling the whole family the Maccabees. All right, so let's get it. Uh, you, got, you got the page and title of the book? Yes. The Holman Bible Atlas, A Complete Guide to the Expansive Geography of Biblical History by Briscoe. Man, if y'all do not have this in y'all library, I highly recommend it. Um, it goes right hand in hand with the Bible. It's not a it's not a replacement for the Bible, but it brings out very intricate details that are not mentioned in the Bible. It's like the backstory. Tell them what you're reading for. Page one eighty three. Mm-hmm. Uh let me see it. Give me a second, y'all. Oh, yeah. So we're going to go to page 183. We're going to read the uh, Maccabean Devote. So paragraphs one and two. 
The Maccabean Revolt. Many Jews cooperated willingly or under compulsion with the new regime. Now, when it says the new regime, it's talking about Antiochus Epiphanes uh, IV, his regime, his new regime, the era of forced Hellenization. But a lot of Israelites willingly converted. So a lot of us consented to that. And this is very important as we get into this class, y'all, because we're going to find out that we had an internal war within ourselves as well as we were fighting off the foreign invaders. Read. Others resisted. The catalyst that sparked the Maccabean Revolt happened in Modin, a small village northwest of Jerusalem. When the king's representatives came to Modin demanding a sacrifice to prove the loyalty of the village, an aged Jewish priest named Matthias. Now, we read that last week. First uh, Maccabees chapter 2. That's the reference. Read. Refused the demand. A fight ensued in which the king's representative and others were killed. Mattathias and his five sons, Simon, John, Judas, Eleazar, and Jonathan, fled to the Gophna Hills. The passionately orthodox followers of Jewish law, the Hasidim, pious ones, joined them in armed resistance. Now these uh, Hasidim are also known in the Apocrypha as the Assyrians. Read. The Hasidim rejected any compromise with Greek culture regarding such compromises as a betrayal of faith. The Pharisees and... Now, remember the Hasidim, and remember what it's saying about them right now, because we're going to, as we go on in this class, we're going to find out that they are watered down. They were, they were so much against Hellenization, but they finally joined Hellenization. Read. The Pharisees and Essenes, who appear a little later, were spiritual kinsmen of the Hasidim. And they were linked with the Pharisees. And who else? Pharisees and Essenes. The Essenes. The sect called the Essenes. Read. Judas Maccabeus, after the death of the aged Mattathias, his son Judas became the leader of the revolt, called Maccabeus the Hammerer. Judas fought a guerrilla war against Seleucid army, armies sent to crush the revolt. His success depended upon surprise and an intimate knowledge of terrain. So this is what these brothers did. They fought a guerrilla warfare against the Seleucid dynasty that was led during this time by Antiochus IV, also known as Antiochus IV. Now, let's go to uh, to the Apocrypha, 1 Maccabees, chapter 3, y'all. We're going to read the whole chapter. So, y'all, we're going to be doing a lot of reading. 1 Maccabees, chapter 3. And I, I have to... Um, I have to bring all of this information out so it would make sense. Now, we are going to be doing a lot of reading, but this is history, y'all. It's extensive. So it's still going to be in a nutshell, and I'm struggling, struggling, struggling to put it in a nutshell. But I highly recommend you go back 
and research and read this for yourself. Read. Then his son Judas, called Maccabeus, rose up in his stead, and all his brethren helped him, and so did all they that held with his father, and they fought with cheerfulness the battle of Israel. So he got his people great honor and put on a breastplate as a giant and girt his warlike harness about him, and he made battles protecting the host with his sword. In his act, he was like a lion, and like a lion's whelp, roaring for his prey. For he pursued the wicked and sought them out, and burnt up those that vexed his people. Wherefore, the wicked shrunk for fear of him, and all the workers of iniquity were troubled, because salvation prospered in his hand. Now, when it says the wicked and the wicked shrunk, this is not just talking about the nations that was there. It's talking about our own people, y'all. So Judas, what he was doing, him and his brothers, they were killing Israelites that were uh, into idolatry that had been Hellenized. Read. Verse 7. He grieved also many kings and made Jacob glad with his act, and his memorial is blessed forever. Moreover, he went through the cities of Judah destroying the ungodly out of them and turning away wrath from Israel. You see, I'm not making this up. He went through the city of Judah. <laughs> this is southern kingdom. These are Israelites. He was killing Israelites. He says destroying the ungodly out of them and turning away wrath from Israel. How do you turn away wrath from Israel? Because the Most High told us, matter of fact, get it real quick, Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, the Most High, this is the Ten Commandments. He said we should have no other gods before him. Read. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, mm -hmm. or that is in the water under the earth. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. So this is called idolatry, y'all. The Most High is telling us in the Ten Commandments not to be idolaters, which means the worship of other gods, other deities. He also calls it a spiritual fornication. But when we go off and we do this, then the Most High sends his wrath against us. Let me do the Romans chapter 28 and um, verse 15. Deuteronomy 28 and 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments. All his commandments, including what? The commandment, the order not to be idolaters, read. And his statutes, mm -hmm. which I command thee this day, mm -hmm. that all these curses shall come upon thee mm -hmm. and overtake thee. What was going to happen? All these curses 
shall come upon thee and overtake thee. The curses were going to come upon us and overtake us. That's the wrath of the Most High. Us being pagans, committing idolatry, doing what the nations was doing, like we already went over in this series how uh, Antiochus had put a statue up of Zeus in the temple. You had Israelites that was worshiping swine's flesh and and bowing down to that idol in the Most High Temple. Now let's go back to First uh, Maccabees chapter three and read verse eight again. Moreover, he went through the cities of Judah, destroying the ungodly out of them and turning away wrath from Israel. Because this is how you turn the wrath away. You destroy all the ungodly things and the ungodly people out of the land. Now the Most High ain't going to come and smite us. Now he ain't going to, um, he's not going to enforce Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. Read. Verse 9. So that he was renowned unto the utmost part of the earth, and he received unto him such as were ready to perish. And he said, he received to him such as were ready to perish. The reason he says they were ready to perish because this was a suicide mission. This is guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare is always <coughs> a substantial amount of people <coughs> going against an unsubstantial amount of people. The 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 odds are not in the guerrilla warfare people's um, favor. It's the odds are stacked against them. That's why he said these men, they was ready to die. The hell with what uh, Biggie was talking about on his album cover, ready to die. These brothers were really ready to die for a noble cause, their people, their culture, and heritage. Read. Then Apollonius gathered the Gentiles together and a great host out of Samaria to fight against Israel. Which, which thing, when Judas perceived, he went forth to meet him. And, he, and so he smote him and slew him. Many also fell down slain, but the rest fled. Wherefore Judas took their spoils and Apollonius' sword also. And therewith he fought all his life long. Now, all his life long, read. Now when Saron, a prince of the army of Syria, heard say that Judas had gathered unto him a multitude and company of faithful to go out with him to war, he said, I will get me a name and honor in the kingdom. For I will go fight with Judas and them that are with him, who despise the king's commandment. So he made him ready to go up, and there went him went with him a mighty host of the ungodly to help him and to be avenged of the children of Israel. And when he came near to the going up of Beth Horon, Judas went forth to meet him with a small company, who, when they saw the host coming to meet them, said unto Judas, How shall we be able, being so few, to fight against so great a multitude and so strong, seeing we are ready to faint with fasting all this day? So it wasn't a lot of them, and these brothers hadn't eaten or drinking, they was fasting. Read. Unto whom Judas answered, It is no hard matter for many to be shut up in the hands of a few, and with the God of heaven 
it is all one to deliver with a great multitude or a small company. He said it's no big deal, man, that it's more than them than it is of us. And keep in mind, once again, y'all, that they were fasting. This is just how far our people have fell from grace and how degenerate that we are now. They're fasting, and they're about to go fight a war. You get us on the Day of Atonement fasting, and we don't want to go to work. <laughs> we don't want to get up and do nothing. We just want to lay around and just be hungry and wait till the sun go down. But these brothers was fasting and about to go do the most extreme physical activity that you can do without any nourishment in you. Read. For the victory of battle standeth not in the multitude of an host, but strength cometh from heaven. They come against us in much pride and iniquity to destroy us and our wives and children and to spoil us. But we fight for our lives and our laws. Wherefore, the Lord himself will overthrow them before our faith. And as for you, be not afraid of them. Now, as soon as he had left off speaking, he leapt suddenly upon them. And so Saren and his host was overthrown before him. And they pursued them from the going down of Beth Haran unto the plain where, where were slain about 800 men of them. And the residue fled into the land of the Philistines. Then began the fear of Judas and his brethren and an exceeding great dread to fall upon the nations round about them, insomuch as his fame came unto the king, and all nations talked of the battles of Judah. So this battle, him with, with his uh, ragtag gang of soldiers, had won a triumphant battle, so much so that their fame went out and the, the, the word got back to Antiochus. Read. Now when King Antiochus heard these things, he was full of indignation. Wherefore, he sent and gathered together all the forces of his realm, even a very strong army. He opened also his treasure and gave his soldiers pay for a year, commanding them to be ready whensoever he should need them. He really wanted Judas them dead. <laughs> Read. Nevertheless, when he saw that the money of his treasures failed and that the tributes of the country were small, because of the dissension and plague which he had brought upon the land in taking away the laws which had been of old time, he feared that he should not be able to bear the charges any longer. So he goes to try to get money for this war and find out he ain't got no money. And he's the cause of it because he came down too hard on the Israelites and they ain't have nothing to pay him. Read. Nor to have such gifts to give so liberally as he did before, for he had abounded above the kings that were before him. Wherefore, being greatly perplexed in his mind, he determined to go into Persia, there to take the tributes of the country and to gather much money. So he left Lysias, a nobleman, and one of blood royal of the blood royal to oversee the affairs of the king from the river Euphrates unto the borders of Egypt. So this Lysias was uh, his kinfolk. Read. And to bring up his son Antiochus until he came again. 
So Antiochus Epiphany had another son named Antiochus. Three. Moreover, he delivered unto him the half of his forces and the elephants and gave him charge of all things that he would have done, as also concerning them that dwelt in Judah and Jerusalem. They had elephants in their army. Three. To wit, that he should send an army against them to destroy and root out the strength of Israel and the remnant of Jerusalem and to take away their memorial from that place and that he should place strangers in all their quarters and divide their land by lot. Now these strangers are other nations. Read. So the king took the half of the forces that remained and departed from Antioch, his royal city, the hundred forty and seventh year, and having passed the river Euphrates, he went through the high country. Then Lysias chose, chose Ptolemy, the son of Doramenes, and Nicanor, and Georges, mighty men of the king's friends. And with them he sent 40,000 footmen and 7,000 horsemen to go into the land of Judah and to destroy it as the king commanded. So they went forth with all their power and came and pitched by Emmaus in the plain country. Mm-hmm. And the merchants of the country, hearing the fame of them, took silver and gold very much with servants and came into the camp to buy the children of Israel for slaves. A power also of Syria and of the land of the Philistines joined themselves unto them. So this is a common theme, us being slaves. Read. Now when Judah and his brethren saw that miseries were multiplied and that the forces did encamp themselves in their borders, for they knew how for they knew how the king had given commandment to destroy the people and utterly abolish them, they said one to another, Let us restore the decayed estate of our people, and let us fight for our people and the sanctuary. Then was the congregation gathered together that they might be ready for battle, and that they might pray and ask mercy and compassion. Now Jerusalem lay void as a wilderness. There was none of her children that went in or out the sanctuary. Excuse me, that went in or out. The sanctuary also was trodden down, and aliens kept the stronghold. The heathen had their habitation in that place, and joy was taken from Jacob, and the pipe with the harp ceased. Wherefore, the Israelites assembled themselves together and came to Mashpah over against Jerusalem. For in Mashpah was the place where they prayed aforetime in Israel. Then they fasted that day and put on sackcloth and cast ashes upon their heads and rent their clothes and, and laid open the book of the law, wherein the heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. Now remember, and we read this, Antiochus Epiphanes was burning the book of the law, which is the Bible. And during this time, it was only um, what we know is the Old Testament uh, yeah, the Old Testament. But look at it says that the heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. The likeness of their images is themselves. So what they were doing was they were replacing 
the true biblical characters of the Bible with them, so-called white people, all right? This is why you get uh, Adam and Eve being white. Uh, this is why you get uh, Moses being white. They're talking about Job was, was an Edomite. That is not true, all right? But this is what they did even during that time. And remember, they, they had access uh, to our book anyway, and y'all could cite um, the rest of Esther, chapter 7, I believe it is, in the Apocrypha, where um, Ptolemy commissioned some people to, to uh, write, um, yeah, to, to start writing our Bible down in, in the Greek language, and this became the Septuagint. Read it on. Verse 49. They brought also the priest's garments and the first fruits and the tithes and the Nazarites they stirred up who had accomplished their days. So this is all the people getting stirred up because remember the temple, going back to verse 45, was wasted. It was shrubs and stuff growing in the temple. It was really an abomination to watch. So all the Israelites that were still zealous of the law, that still wanted to serve the Most High, including the Nazarites, had got stirred up. The priests had got stirred up. Everybody wanted to fight. They understood the severity of the situation, that we were basically fighting for our heritage, our lives, for the Most High, for our nation to continue, you know? Then cried they with a loud voice toward heaven, saying, What shall we do with these, and whither shall we carry them away? For thy sanctuary is trodden down and profaned, and thy priests are in heaviness and brought low. And lo, the heathen are assembled together against us to destroy us. What things they imagine against us, thou knowest. Now it says the heathen. The word heathen is another word for the word Gentile or nation. Now, once again, because I keep asking this question, how did Christ die for all, everybody? How did he die for all the nations when we read right here that the heathen, the nations, was gathered against God's chosen people? That would make no damn sense. This is how you know people don't read the Bible, man, especially the Apocrypha that, that was removed. Read. Verse 53, how shall we be able to stand against them except thou, O God, be our help. Then sounded they with trumpets and cried with a loud voice. And after this, Judas ordained captains over the people, even captains over thousands and over hundreds and over fifties and over tens. <coughs> but as for such as were building houses, or had betrothed wives, or were planting vineyards. Now, now listen to what he's saying, man. This is our, this is our love. Uh, the verse before that, read verse 55 again. And after this, Judas ordained captains over the people, even captains over thousands, over hundreds, and over fifties, and over tens. What Judas did was he put the people in order. So they had a ragtag group of uh, brothers and sisters, and what Judas did was he put them in order, and he kept the law. Watch this. Keep reading. But as for such as were building houses or had betrothed wives 
or were planting vineyards or were fearful, those he commanded that they should return every man to his own house uh-huh. according to the law. According to the law. Now watch this. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm sorry, not 28. Uh, man, let me find it. Some Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter Deuteronomy chapter twenty four, verse five. That's not the scripture I wanted, but this, some of it is in this. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war. Neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year and shall cheer up his wife, which he has taken. Right. So uh, Judas Maccabees was following the law, man. This brother, uh, these brothers uh, that we're reading about, when he said, and go back to it real quick now. You can let Deuteronomy go. I couldn't find the other one I was looking for, but that one to do. And after this, Judas ordained captains over the people, even captains over thousands and over hundreds and over fifties and over tens. But as for such as were building houses or had betrothed wives or were planting vineyards or were fearful, those he commanded that they should return every man to his own house according to the law. Now, we just read it. I didn't get all of it. I did get one of them about the wives. But it makes sense because where was their mind going to be? Their mind was going to be on the new vineyard. Their mind was going to be on the building of their house, what their wife doing. You out there in, in battle, and the man next to you, his life is in your hand and vice versa. You can't be out there preoccupied with something like that, and you got somebody's lives and your life in your hand. And remember what Christ also told us. He said, where a man's treasure is, or, or sorry, where a man's mind is, there shall his treasure be also. Meaning whatever's on your mind is valuable to you. So if you just, like I said, like the scripture said, you just married a woman or you just working on building a house and that's where your mind is occupied at, that's the only thing you're going to be thinking about. And the fearful too. Yeah, and then the fearful, right. Don't, and the scripture also says don't take a coward to war. You can get somebody killed. What do you know? 
So the camp removed and pitched upon the south side of Emmaus. And Judah said, Arm yourselves and be valiant men, and see that ye be in readiness against the morning, that ye may fight with these nations that are assembled together against us to destroy us and our sanctuary. No, but Christ is going to save them. That don't make no sense. Just side note, y'all. We don't. For it is better for us to die in battle than to behold the calamities of our people and our sanctuary. Nevertheless, as the will of God is in heaven, so let him do. Yeah, real. So we're going to chapter 4 now, y'all. We're going to read this whole chapter as well, and then we're going to jump around a little bit. Go on. Then took Georgia 5,000 footmen and a 1,000 of the best horsemen and removed out of the camp by night. To the end, he might rush in upon the camp of the Jews and smite them suddenly. So his plan was to bum rush them at night. Read. And the men of the fortress were his guides. Now when Judas heard thereof, he himself removed, and the valiant men with him, that he might smite the king's army, which was at Emmaus. But somebody dropped down to where Judas heard Dude's plan. Read. While as yet the forces were dispersed from the camp, in the mean season came Georges by night into the camp of Judas. And when he found no man there, he sought them in the mountain. For said he, these fellows flee from us. But as soon as it was day, Judas shewed himself in the plain with 3,000 men who nevertheless had neither armor nor swords to their minds. And they saw the camp of the heathen. They didn't have what? Who nevertheless had neither armor nor swords to their minds. What they fighting with then? <laughs> I guess whatever they could grab, man, they probably had um, um, what they call it, farmer's tools, pig, pig irons and pig irons and stuff like that. Remember, this is a guerrilla ragtag army. So these brothers didn't have all the fancy stuff that an army should have, all the proper equipment. Read on. And they saw the camp of the heathen, that it was strong and well harnessed and compassed round about with horsemen, and that these were expert of war. And they wouldn't fight no ragtag army. They were fighting cats that was experts in war. Remember, this, these were the, this was a, a part of the Greek army, man. A lot of these cats, uh, fathers fought with Alexander the Great So these cats knew how to war These Edomites Read Then said Judas to the men that were with him Fear ye not their multitude Neither be ye afraid Of their assault Remember how our fathers Were delivered in the Red Sea When Pharaoh pursued them With an army Now therefore let us cry unto heaven If Peradventure, the Lord will have mercy upon us, and remember the covenant of our fathers, and destroy this host before our face this day, so that all the heathen may know that there is one who delivereth and saveth Israel. Then the strangers lifted up their eyes and saw them coming over against them. Wherefore, they went out of the camp to battle, but they were with Judas, Sound, but they that were with Judas sounded their trumpets. So they joined battle, and the heathen, being discomfited, fled into the plain. 
Howbeit all the hindmost of them were slain with the sword, for they pursued them unto Gezerah and unto the plains of Idumea and Azotus and Damnia, so that there were slain of them upon a three thousand men. This done, Judas returned again with his host from pursuing them, and said to the people, Be not greedy of the spoils, inasmuch as there is a battle before us. So he had to check everybody. You know us, man. Man, look, in the spoils of war, y'all, is all the treasures and stuff. And back in these times, when you went out to war, man, you didn't go out in no ragtag stuff. You went out in your best. Go back and watch some of those uh, old um, movies where you would, where you would have uh, armies fighting against each other and see all the pretty armor and the pretty helmets and stuff that they had, man. And they would also have gold and, and money on them because they were traveling. So Judas had to tell them, look, man, don't go get the spoils now. Read. And Georges and his hosts are here by us in the mountain. Because, hey, we still got more people to fight. Read. But stand ye now against our enemies and overtake them, and after this ye may boldly take the spoil. He said, after, we, after all the work is done, we uh, murked all these people, then you can celebrate. Then you can take all you want. Read. As Judas was yet speaking these words, there appeared a part of them looking out of the mountain, who, when they perceived that the Jews had put their hopes to flight and were burning the tents, for the smoke that was seen declared what was done, when therefore they perceived these things, they were sore afraid. And seeing also the host of Judas in the plain ready to fight, they fled every one into the land of strangers. Then Judas returned to spoil the tents, where they got much gold and silver and blue silk and the purple of the sea and blue, great riches. Blue silk and the purple of the sea. And remember, these weren't just the Edomites that was fighting against us. They had other nations in their army. This blue silk, I believe, came from um, Indians. And purple was not an easy color to get back then. You had to get it from crushing pearls in the sea, I believe. Read on. After this, they went home and sung a song of thanksgiving and praised the Lord in heaven because it is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Thus, Israel had a great deliverance that day. Now all the strangers that had escaped came and told Lysias what had happened, who, when he heard thereof, was confounded and discouraged, because neither such things as he would were done unto Israel, nor such things as the king commanded him were come to pass. So the king told him to destroy him, but he didn't do that. He was no match for Judas and the uh, renegade army. Read. Here, therefore, following Lysias, gathered together threescore thousand choice men of foot and five thousand horsemen. So it took this dude a whole year to recoup. <laughs> you know. That he might subdue them. So they came into Idumea and pitched their tents at Bethsura, 
And Judas met them with 10,000 men. And so, when Idumia's in the land of Edom. So just to give you a, ge- a ge- uh, geographical reference, read. Verse 30. And when he saw that mighty army, he prayed and said, Blessed art thou, O Savior of Israel, who didst quell the, vo- the violence of the mighty man by the hand of thy servant David, and gave us the host of strangers into the hands of Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor bearer. You see how we used to know our history? Look how he's running off the history, man. Read. Shut up this army in the hand of thy people Israel, and let them be confounded in their power and horsemen. Make them to be of no courage, and cause the boldness of their strength to fall away, and let them quake at their destruction. Cast them down with the sword of them that love thee, and let all those that know thy name praise thee with thanksgiving. So they joined battle, and there were slain of the host of Lysias about 5,000 men. Even before them were they slain. Now when Lysias saw his army put to flight, and the manliness of Judas' soldiers and how they were ready to either live or die valiantly, he went into Antiochia and gathered together a company of strangers. And having made his army greater than it, than it was, he purposed to come again into Judea. So he lost again, but he ain't gave up. You see how uh, resilient these heathen is? Read. Then said Judas and his brethren, Behold, our enemies are discomfited. Let us go up to cleanse and dedicate the sanctuary. Read. Upon this, all the hosts assembled themselves together and went up into Mount Sion. And when they saw the sanctuary desolate and the altar profane and the gates burned up and shrubs growing in the courts as in a forest or in one of the mountains, they rent their clothes and made great lamentation and cast ashes upon their heads and fell down flat to the ground upon their faces and blew an alarm with the trumpet and cried toward heaven. Then Judas appointed certain men to fight against those that were in the fortress until he had cleansed the sanctuary. So they left guards there, uh, the heathen, that we couldn't get back into the temple. That's why the temple was in such disarray. Uh, but Judas uh, Maccabees had appointed some brothers to go and retake it and get them heathen out of there so they could clean, clean the temple back up. Read. Verse 42. So he chose priests of blameless conversation, such as had pleasure in the law, who cleansed the sanctuary and bear out the defiled stones into an unclean place. And when, as they consulted what to do with the altar of burnt offerings, which was profane. Because remember, they were burning swine on these altars. They thought it best to pull it down, lest it should be a reproach to them, because the heathen had defiled it. Wherefore, they pulled it down. So they pulled it down because they didn't didn't want it to be a, a, a shame. You know, you keep looking at it, and it was defiled anyway. Read. And laid up the stones in the mountain of the temple in a convenient place until there should come a prophet 
to show what should be done with them. Read. Then they took whole stones according to the law and built a new altar according to the former and made up the sanctuary Mm -hmm. and the things that were within the temple and hallowed the court. Mm -hmm. They made also new holy vessels and into the temple they brought the candlestick and the altar of burnt offerings and of incense and the table. Now this candlestick um, is where we get, because there's, the candlestick, first of all, is the menorah, right? Is the menorah, y'all. Okay, so there's a, a seven candlestick, I'm sorry, an eight candlestick menorah, and then there's a nine candlestick menorah. So the nine candlestick menorah is for the eight days of the celebration of Hanukkah, which this is what it's talking about right here, and we're going to get more details about it. Read on. Uh, verse 43. Who cleanse the sanctuary and bear out the defiled stones into an unclean place. And when, as they consulted what to do with the altar of burnt offerings, which was profaned, they thought it best to pull it down, lest it should be a reproach to them. Oh, we read all of that. Um, okay. Yeah. 50. And upon the altar they burned incense, and the lamps that were upon the candlestick they lighted, that they might give light in the temple. Furthermore, they set the loaves upon the table and spread out the veils and finished all the works which they had begun to make. Mm-hmm. Now on the five and twentieth day of the ninth month, which is which is called the month Caslu, in the hundred forty and eighth year, they rose up betimes in the morning and offered sacrifice according to the law upon the new altar of burnt offerings. Now this happened on the twenty fifth day. Matter of fact. Which they had made. Look at what time and what day the heathen had profaned it. Even in that was it was it dedicated with songs and with scythers and harps and cymbals. Then all the people fell upon their faces, worshiping and praising the God of heaven, who had given them good success. And so they kept the dedication of the altar eight days. How many days? Eight days. And this is what we get, like I said, the nine candlestick holder menorah. It's for the eight days that we would celebrate Hanukkah. And this is why we celebrate Hanukkah. It was the rededication of the temple uh, when the brothers, the brother Judas Maccabees and his brethren and those that his guerrilla army retook the second temple, Solomon's temple, and cleaned it up and rededicated it to the Most High and got all the profane stuff out of it. That what This is what Hanukkah is all about. The celebration of Hanukkah is all about. Rededicating of the temple. And we celebrated, when we did Hanukkah? Last, uh, in December, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so read on. And offered burnt offerings with gladness and sacrifice, the sacrifice of deliverance and praise. Mm-hmm. 
They decked also the forefront of the temple with crowns of gold and with shields. So it said we had decked the forefront of the temple, meaning we decorated it. This is where the whole Christmas decoration stuff comes from, y'all. We know Christmas is pagan. But I want to just show y'all, this is where they get when you go out and you deck your house with the tinsel and the lights and all of that stuff. They got that from us. This is what we did with the temple. We beautified it. We decked it out. Read. That's why the, the, the feast is also referred to as the feast of lights. Read on. And the gates and the chambers they renewed and hanged doors upon them. Thus was there very great gladness upon, among the people. For that the reproach of the heathen was put away. Moreover, Judas and his brethren with the whole congregation of Israel ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days. And this is why we keep Hanukkah for eight days. goes right along with the menorah, the eight-day menorah. We're celebrating eight days in... Um, commemoration, uh, memorial of when we rededicated the temple and these brothers spared our nation that was on the break of annihilation. Read. From the five and twentieth day of the month Kaslu with mirth and gladness. Now, here it is, that month Kaslu again, the five and twentieth day, which means the twenty-fifth day. Now, let's get this right here. Tell them where you read from. From JewishEncyclopedia.com, Kislu, the ninth month of the Jewish calendar corresponding to December. Corresponding to what? December. December. This is why when we celebrate Hanukkah, it's usually what? Around what time? December, the month Kislu. <laughs> Isn't that something? Right around Christmas because it's the 25th of Kislu. Now, we're not celebrating December 25th, which we know is Nimrod's birthday, we're celebrating Hanukkah, which usually falls somewhere around in December. You know? Uh, Yep. It has either 29 or 30 days. In the Septuagint, Kislu is called... No, it says in the Septuagint, which I mentioned earlier. The Septuagint was when uh, Ptolemy or Ptolemy ordered his people to write the Bible in Greek. So do they know our history? Yes, they do. Do they know the Bible? Yes, they do. Read. It lists it in Greek script that I cannot read. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also say in Macedonian, um, on the Palmyrene inscriptions, and in Assyro-Babylonian, Kislevu. So the the Greeks have our book, the Babylonians have our book. Read. Kislu is twice mentioned in the Old Testament, namely in Zechariah the seventh and Nehemiah first. On the twenty fifth of Kislu, the Hanukkah festival commences, according to Second Maccabees. Uh, six, the festival was celebrated in the manner of the Feast of Tabernacles mm-hmm. by carrying branches and singing songs of praise. Indeed, in Second Maccabees, the festival is specifically mentioned as the Feast of Tabernacles 
in the month Kislu, Kislu, according to the Mishnah, the month of Kislu belongs to those six months in which messengers were sent out. See also First uh, Maccabees of uh, 36 through 59. This is chapter 9, verse 36 through 59. Khan, Khan. So this is the celebration of Hanukkah. Um, let's get Saint John chapter ten, and I want you to start at verse twenty-two. And remember, it said that it was going to be celebrated in the same manner of Feast of Tabernacle. Feast of Tabernacle lasts for seven days, so Hanukkah uh, lasts for eight days. And you, you'll have some brothers that, that say that um, the first and the last day of Hanukkah is a holy convocation. And that's cool if brothers want to do that. Um, but Leviticus 23 has all the high holy days or the holy convocations. And Hanukkah is not one of them, y'all. It is a high holy day, but it's not. You shouldn't treat the first and the last day like a Sabbath. You don't have to. Anyway. And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. And it was what? Winter. And it was the Feast of what? Dedication. The Dedication, read. And Jesus walked in the temple of Solomon's porch. So did Christ celebrate the Feast of Dedication? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. So I pulled this to show what Christ was celebrating, why he was celebrating, and it's in the New Testament. For you New Testament-only readers. But if you skip over the Old Testament, including the Apocrypha, look how much valuable information you've missed out on. All right, now let's go back to uh, Maccabees. Uh, Yeah, yeah, let me pick up a Maccabees. So we're in Maccabees, uh, 1 Maccabees chapter... Four and verse 59. Moreover, Judas and his brethren, with the whole congregation of Israel, ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days, from the five and twentieth day of the month Kislu, with myrrh and gladness. And we went already went over that. This month Kislu is in December, so December 25th. It says, at that time also they builded up the Mount Zion with wall, with high walls and strong towers round about, lest the Gentiles should come and tread it down. And they had done as they had done before. Once again, man, these Gentiles are mentioned as coming against God's chosen people. So how the hell are they getting salvation in the New Testament? It's just something you should think about, y'all. All right? Things are not as they seem. Verse 61. And they set there a garrison to keep it and to fortify Bethsua to prevent it, that the people might have a defense against Idumia. Against who? Idumia. Now, we got to get that. Let's go to... Hmm, how much time we got? No, y'all got to look that up on yourselves, man. If you have a Zonovan Compact Bible Dictionary, look up the word Idumia, okay? 
Look up the word idumia. And Idumia is basically the chief capital city of Edom. So they fortified and put up our defense uh, systems against the Edomites, basically. All right, y'all. So now we're going to go to uh, chapter 5 of 1 Maccabees. And we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read to uh, about 17, I, I believe. We're going to jump. Now, when the nations round about heard that the altar was built and the sanctuary renewed as as before, it displeased them very much. Wherefore, they thought to destroy the generation of Jacob that was among them. And thereupon, they began to slay and destroy the people. Who did? The nations. What people is them? Verse 3. Then Judas fought against the children of Esau, in Idumia, I told y'all, at Arabathai, because they deceived Israel, and he gave them a great overthrow, and obeyed their carriage, and took their spoils. Also, he remembered the iniquity of the children of Ben, who had been a snare and an offense unto the people, and that they lay in wait for them in the ways. He set them up, therefore, in the towers, and encamped against them, and destroyed them utterly, and burned the towers of the place with fire, and all that were, were therein. Afterwards, he passed over to the children of Ammon, where he, fought, where he found a mighty power and much people, and Timotheus their captive. So he fought many battles with them. This is uh, Juice Maccabees fighting alongside the children of Ammon, which would be the... Uh, Present day <coughs> Japanese. <coughs> Verse 7. So he fought many battles with them till at length they were discontented before him and he smoked them. Oh, wait a minute. No, he was fighting against the, Am- the Ammonese. Verse 8. And when he had taken Jasser with the towns belonging thereof, he returned to Judea. Then the heathen that were at Galad assembled themselves together against the Israelites that were in their quarters to destroy them. But they fled to the fortresses of Dathania and sent letters unto Judas and his brethren, the heathen that are round about us or assembled together against us to destroy us. And they are uh, preparing to come and take the fortress wherein we are fled, Timotheus being captain of their hosts. Come now, therefore, and deliver us from their hands, for many of us are slain. Yea, all our brethren that were in the place of Tabia are put to death, their wives and their children also. They have carried away captives and bore away their stuff, and they have destroyed thee about a thousand men. So these were Israelites reaching out for Jewish Maccabees to come help them. Now, this was after Jewish Maccabees had cleansed the temple at Jerusalem and rededicated it. Now he's been uh, asked to go somewhere else. Verse 14. While these letters were yet uh, reading, behold, there came out, there came another messenger from Galilee with their clothes rent, who reported on this wise and said, they of uh, Ptolemaeus and of Tyrus, uh, Tyrus and Zidon, and Sidon, this is Tyre and Zidon, y'all, and all Galilee 
of the Gentiles, Galilee of the Gentiles. Remember that, right? We're going to get that in a second. <clears throat> Galilee of the Gentiles are assembled together against us to consume us. So it's, it's war on all fronts against the Israelites, man, and they're asking for Judas to come because his fame was known amongst all our nations how victorious he, he was in battle. So everybody's uh, inquiring his help. <clears throat> so that was verse 10. Let me get, uh, let me read verse 16. Now, when Judas and the people heard these words, there assembled a great congregation together to consult what they should do for their brethren that were in trouble and, assault, and, and assaulted of them. Then Judas, uh, then said Judas unto Simon his brother, Choose thee out men, and go and deliver thy brethren that are in Galilee. For I and Jonathan my brother will go into the country of Galilee. So they had a council. So he had to split up his army, his group of uh, guerrilla soldiers, and disband them and send them into different places. Now, what I want to touch on is verse uh, 15, where it says, And they, they of Ptolemus and of Tyre and Zion and, of, and all of Galilee, of the Gentiles, are assembled together against us. This Galilee of the Gentiles is also mentioned in Matthew chapter 4, verse 15. So let's go there. <clears throat> Hold on, y'all. Let me get it. <laughs> Let's go to Matthew chapter, actually chapter four. Chapter four, verse 15. And it reads, uh, the land of Zebulon and the land of Nathalion. By the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. So these were the tribes of Zebulon. It says uh, Nephilim, but it's Nathalie. It says by the way of the sea, of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. So who was asking for help in the book of Maccabees? It was uh, Zebulon. It was Nathalie. Um these were Israelites, <clears throat> northern kingdom. Some of them were still there. Verse 16, the people which sat down in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the, re in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. All right. So let's uh, see where this is being quoted from. This is quoted from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. So I'm taking a, just a quick detour, y'all, to bring this information out, <clears throat> that who these people were that Judas was going to help. 
So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, and it reads, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first her lightly afflicted, he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun, and he was talking about the Most High, and the land of Nathalus, and afterwards did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nation. Now, the New Testament is called Galilee of the Gentiles, same thing. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them have the light shine. So these were the brothers that Judas Maccabees uh, was dispersing some of his army out to go help, going back to 1 Maccabees chapter 5, verse 15. And I'm doing all this, man, to show how all the books are connected. The Old Testament we read from, we read from the New Testament, and we read from the Apocrypha. So 1 Maccabees chapter 5, and verse 15 again, and it reads, And said they of Ptolemus and of Tyrus and Zidon, and all Galilee of the Gentiles are assembled together against us to consume us. So these brothers were asking for help from Judas Maccabees and his army. Now, let's get um, the Bible Atlas, page 184. Um, that paragraph, so right there, yep. Now, this right here, y'all, because I'm trying to speed through it without us reading all these whole chapters. So this is kind of like the cleft notes of Maccabees, you know? Judas won an impressive string of victories over Seleucid commanders, including the defeat of Apollonius at the ascent of Lebanon, Theron at Beth-Horon Pass, 166 B.C. I'm sorry, you want to say? Yep, I want okay. all the dates and I want all the chapters, y'all, because these are the battles, that the, the uh, very important historic battles that Judas Maccabees and his uh, band of guerrilla soldiers won. Like I said, these are the cliff notes. It's going to give you the chapters so y'all can go back and read them. Please read them. Judas won an impressive string of victories over Seleucid commanders, including the defeat of Apollonius at the ascent of Lebanon, 167 B.C. We already got that. Read. Referenced in 1 Maccabees chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Saron at the Beth Haran Pass, 166 B.C. Referenced in 1 Maccabees chapter 3, verses 13 through 23. And Nicanor near Emmaus, 165 B.C. Referenced in 1 Maccabees Chapter 3, verse 38. Now, y'all can go back and read that because it's actual, It's an actual holiday known as the Day of Nicanor, and it's celebrated for one whole day. But that's, that's in uh, honor of Judas Maccabees' triumphant battle over Nicanor, who was commissioned by uh, Antiochus Epiphanes to fight against Judas Maccabees and his guerrilla army. 1 Maccabees chapter 3, verse 38, through 1 Maccabees chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. Judas's most impressive victory occurred in December 164 B.C. when he recaptured the Jerusalem temple, dismantled the pagan altar, and cleansed the temple. Now Refer- we, and we just read that. Read. Referenced in 1 Maccabees chapter 4. Verse 36. And that's where we get Hanukkah from, Feast of Lights. Read. Through 1 Maccabees chapter 5, verse 61. 
the Jewish sacrificial system once again was carried out in accordance with the law of Moses. The festival of Hanukkah was instituted to commemorate this joyous event. Jesus declared, I and the Father are one, while he attended this festival 200 years later. And this is what we just read in St. John chapter 10, verse 22. Read. See John chapter 10, verse 22 through 30. Judas continued the struggle until his death in battle in 160 B.C. And we're going to definitely get Judas' uh, death. Read on. As his confidence increased, Judas grew bolder and suffered defeat. However, the death of Antiochus IV in 164 B.C. led to an important concession to the Jews. Where you at? Okay. Go ahead. Read the rest of the highlight. Several claimants to the Seleucid throne, including the son of Seleucus IV, Demetrius I, and the Seleucid general, Lysias, vied for power. To win Jewish support, Lysias granted religious freedom to the Jews, 162 B.C. This act overturned the edict. Uh, you know what? Hold that. Hold that. We're going to have to come back to it. Okay. Read that part again about Antiochus' death. However, the death of Antiochus IV in 164 B.C. led to an important concession to the Jews. All right. So let's get that. Let's go to Second Maccabees chapter 9. And start at verse 1. Second Maccabees chapter 9, verse 1. About that time came Antiochus with dishonor out of the country of Persia, for he had entered the city called Persepolis, and he went about to rob the temple to hold the city and to hold the city, whereupon the multitude running to defend themselves with their weapons put them to flight. And so it happened that Antiochus, being put to flight of the inhabitants, returned with shame. Because remember, his dad died robbing temples. This is what they were known for. They would rob temples to get their revenue up. His dad did it so he could pay Rome back. He's doing it so he could fund his army to go to, to continue to fight against the Maccabees. And he was not successful. They put him to flight. Read. Now when he came to Ecbatan, Ecbatane, news was brought him what had happened unto Nicanor and to Matthias. Right, that they had lost. <laughs> then, swelling with anger, he thought to avenge upon the Jews the disgrace done unto him by those that made him flee. Mm-hmm. Therefore, commanded he his chariot man to drive without ceasing and to dispatch the journey, the judgment of God now following him. The what? Judgment of God now following him. We're going to find out what the judgment of the Most High was. Read. For he had spoken proudly in this sort, that he would come to Jerusalem and make it a common burying place of the Jews. But the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, smote him with an incurable and invisible plague. He smote him with an incurable and invisible plague. So there was no cure to it and it was invisible. You couldn't treat it. You didn't even know what it was. Read. 
For as soon as he had spoken these words, a pain of the bowels that was remediless came upon him, and sore torments of the inner parts. He hit him, the Most High hit him in his digestive system. Sound like IBS? Yes. IBS. Read. And we're going to find out it was, it was way deeper than IBS. You know? And that most justly, for he had tormented other men's bowels with many and strange torments. Right, because this was the same king that sat in on the death of the mother that had those seven boys that you read about in Second Maccabees, the seven chapters. Read. Howbeit he nothing at all ceased from his bragging but still was filled with pride. He was sick and was still bragging about his power and what he had accomplished. What the scriptures say? Pride goes before destruction mm-hmm. and a high spirit before fall. Read. Breathing out fire in his rage against the Jews and commanding to haste the journey. But it came to pass that he fell down from his chariot, carried violently, so that having a sore fall, all the members of his body were much pained. So this dude fell off a chariot. Now he not only got stomach issues, his whole body's hurting. Look at the agony the most high took this dude through. But he ain't done. Watch this. Read. And thus he that a little afore thought he might command the waves of the sea, so proud was he beyond the condition of man, and weighed the high mountains in a balance, was now cast on the ground and carried in a horse litter, shewing forth unto all the manifest power of God. So y'all ever seen those uh, old Western movies or old battlefield movies where they would have a gurney for their injured on the back of a horse? Mm-hmm. This is what he was riding in. Read on. So that the worms rose up out of the body of this wicked man. This dude had worms on the inside of his body that was eating him from the inside out. Those worms would be what we call today maggots. Read. And while he lived in in sorrow and pain, his flesh fell away. His flesh was falling off of his body. Read. And the filthiness of his smell was noisome to all his army. It was noisome to all his army. They couldn't even stand the smell of this dude. His body was rotten from the inside out. Remember, this was the judgment of the Most High for what he did to the temple. Because remember, the Most High allowed him to come in and destroy the temple and to take all of those things out of the temple because we were out of order. We had we had fell into idolatry. Because remember, previously, Hilladorus came in and tried to take the treasures out. What happened to him? The Most High had angels beat him up within an inch of, within an inch of his life, but Antiochus would come and be successful with taking those treasures out because we were in idolatry, we were in wickedness. But what happened was Judas Maccabee they cleaned the wickedness, the wickedness, some of it out of Israel to where the Most High respected that, and this was the judgment that he rendered on Antiochus' epiphanies. Read. Verse 10. And the man that thought a little afore he could reach to the stars of heaven, no man could endure to carry for his intolerable stink. Nobody wanted to carry this dude. He was so funky. He was so pungent. Read. 
Here, therefore, being plagued, he began to leave off his great pride and to come to the knowledge of himself by the scourge of God, his pain increasing every moment. And when he himself could not abide his own smell, he said these words. He couldn't even stomach his own smell. Read. It is meet to be subject unto God, and that a man that is mortal should not proudly think of himself as if he were God. This wicked person vowed also unto the Lord, who now no more would have mercy upon him, saying thus, that the holy city to the which he was going in haste to lay it even with the ground and to make it a common burying place, he would set at liberty. He's like, man, I'm going to let God's people alone. I'm going to let them do their thing. Now, that's one account. Now, let's go to First uh, Maccabees chapter 6. We're going to get a different account. Basically, the same thing. We've got uh, some more details, though. First one? Yeah, because First Maccabees and Second Maccabees, they mirror each other. First Maccabees chapter 6, verse 1. About that time, King Antiochus, traveling through the high countries, heard say that Elimaeus in the country of Persia was a city greatly renowned, renowned for riches, silver, and gold, and that there was in it a very rich temple, wherein were coverings of gold and breastplates and shields, which Alexander, son of Philip, the Macedonian king, who reigned first among the Grecians, had left there. Wherefore he came and sought to take the city and to spoil it, but he was not able, because they of the city, having had warning thereof, rose up against him in battle. So he fled and departed thence with great heaviness and returned to Babylon. Moreover, there came one who brought him tidings into Persia, that the armies which went against the land of Judea were put to flight. And that Lysias, who went forth first with a great power, was driven away of the Jews. And that they were made strong by the armor and power and store of spoils, which they had gotten of the armies whom they had destroyed. Also, that they had pulled down the abomination which he had set up upon the altar in Jerusalem. So they pulled down that statue of Zeus. And that he had come passed about the sanctuary with high walls as before, and his city, Bethsura. Now when the king heard these words, he was astonished and sore moved. Whereupon he laid him down upon his bed and fell, for he laid him down, excuse me, and fell sick for grief, because it had not befallen him as he looked for. And there he continued many days. For his grief was ever more and more, and he made account that he should die. Wherefore he called for all his friends and said unto them, The sleep is gone from mine eyes, and my heart faileth for very care. And I thought with myself, Into what tribulation am I come, and how great a flood of misery is it, wherein now I am. For I was bountiful and beloved in my power, but now I remember the evils that I did at Jerusalem. Basically the same thing we just read in Second Maccabees. Read. And that I took all the vessels of gold and silver that were therein and sent 
to destroy the inhabitants of Judea without a cause. I perceive, therefore, that for this cause these troubles are come upon me. And behold, I perish through great grief in a strange land. Then called he for Philip, one of his friends, whom he made ruler over all his realm, and gave him the crown and his robe and his sickness, to the end he should bring up his son Antiochus. So Antiochus Epiphany had a son named Antiochus. Told you, man, this is what the Greeks and the Romans did. They was just keep naming their sons and the sons, 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 the same damn name. This is why a lot of times when you're doing history, you don't know which one they're talking about. Read. And nourish him up for the kingdom. For So King Antiochus died there in the 149th year. So that's the death of Antiochus' epiphany. Now I want to get this, y'all. This is from... Um, Britannica uh, Encyclopedia, and it reads, Antiochus then mounted a campaign against the Parthians who were threatening the empire in the east, recovered the income from that area, forced Artaxes of Armenia, who had defeated, who he had defeated to recognize his Caesar Rantri founded the city of Antioch on the Persian Gulf, set out on an expedition to the Arabian coast, and at the end of 164, at the end of 164, died of an illness at Tabah or Gabah, probably present Isfana in Persia. Many believe. Uh, yeah, many believers saw his death as a punishment for his attempt to loot the shrine of Nanania in Elam in modern Iran. This, but you see how they they be changing stuff up. So they got how they got his, the 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 year of his death right, but the occasion of his death is is fabricated. They talk about he died because. Uh, he tried to uh, take that, that stuff out of that Arabian or that uh, Persian temple. That ain't why he died. We already read why he died. This was the most high's judgment. But I had to get this out to show y'all the, uh, how accurate the Bible is. All right, let's go back to, to uh, First Maccabees chapter 6, and we're going to pick back up at verse 17. Mm-hmm. Now, when Lysias knew that the king was dead, he set up Antiochus, his son, whom he had brought up being young, to reign in his stead. And his name he called Jupiter. About this time, they that were in the tower shut up the Israelites round about the sanctuary and sought always their hurt. So here they are again back at the sanctuary. We took it. The brother just cleaned it up. They retook it again. Read. Now, now remember what he said before he died. He was going to leave Israel alone. <laughs> but his son picked up right up where his daddy left off at. Read on. He ain't learned nothing. Um, About this time, verse 18. 
About this time, they that were in the tower shut up the Israelites round about the sanctuary and sought always their hurt and the strengthening of the heathen. Wherefore, Judas, purposing to destroy them, called all the people together to besiege them. So they came together and besieged them in the hundred and fiftieth year, and he made mouths for shot against them and other engines. Howbeit certain of them were besieged, got forth, unto whom some ungodly men of Israel joined themselves. Read that part again. Howbeit certain of them that were besieged got forth, unto whom some ungodly men of Israel joined themselves. Some ungodly men of Israel joined themselves to who? To the other nations to fight against their own kindred. Once again, read. Verse 22, and they went unto the king and said, how long will it be ere thou execute judgment and avenge our brethren? We have been willing to serve thy father and to do as he would have us and to obey his commandments. For which cause they of our nation besieged the tower and are alienated from us. You see what he's saying? (laughs) He's saying, and they, it says, we have been willing to serve thy father. These were the Hellenists, the Hellenized Israel, Israelites that sided with the other nations over their people. But this is nothing new. This was prophesied. Give me Deuteronomy chapter 32. Okay. And start at uh, verse 34. No, it's 30, 23. Deuteronomy 32 and 23. I will heap mischief upon them. I will send mine arrows upon them. This is the most high saying what he was going to do to us for not keeping the law, statutes, and commandments. Read. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beef upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust. This is the part I want to get to. Listen to this, y'all. Read. The sword without. The sword without. Meaning we were going to war without our nation or going to war with other nations. Read. And terror within. And terror. The terror within was the civil war. This is what the Maccabees is going through right here. So the Maccabees is fighting a war against another nation and fighting a a whole other war at the same time against our own nation, a civil war. The sword without and terror within, read. Shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hair. And that's what happened. This was prophesied, man. Now let's go back to uh, First Maccabees chapter six and read verse. Uh, where were you at? Uh, Twenty-three. Read that again. We have been willing to serve thy father and to do as he would have us, and to obey his commandments. For which cause they of our of our nation besieged the tower. And are alienated from us. They are. He said. Uh, he, he listened to what this nigga saying. 
They're the aliens. They're not a part of us. We ain't a part of them. It's no different than, than our relatives are saying about us, Israelites. They say we in the cult. We crazy. Oh, they ain't a part of this family. <laughs> it's the same thing. Read. Moreover, as many of us as they could light on, they slew and, and spoiled our inheritance. See, I told you Maccabees was killing his own people, sell out wicked Israelites. These are the same common day people that's going to be running to the ballot in November to vote for a devil, whether it be Trump or Biden. There's nothing new under the sun, y'all. We, we've been at war with each other. Remember, y'all, two-thirds of Israel got to die. Three? Neither have they stretched out their hand against us only, but also against all their borders. And behold, this day are they besieging the tower at Jerusalem to take it. The sanctuary also, and Bethsura have they fortified. He's snitching. Oh, you know they're going to take the temple again, right? He did it before. Y'all better watch out for him. He's going to do it again. All right, now let's jump. Let's go to this Maccabees, the seventh chapter now. First, seven. First Maccabees, chapter seven. Yeah, we might be able to get the whole class in. First of all? Yep. First Maccabees, seven, one. I just want you to read verse one. Okay. Because I got an article. In the hundred and one and fiftieth year, Demetrius, the son of Seleucus, departed from Rome and came up with a few men unto a city of the seacoast and reigned there. All right. This is Demetrius cat. Who is he? So uh, we're going to encyclopedia.com. Demetrius, Demetrius the first Sorter. Ruler of the Seleucus dynasty in Syria, son of Seleucus the uh, fourth. His youth, I'm sorry, in his youth, Demetrius was a hostage in Rome. Now, who else was a hostage at Rome? Do we remember? Antiochus Epiphanes. Hold this and give me first Maccabees. First Maccabees, uh, chapter 1 and 3, verse 10. First Maccabees, chapter 1 and verse 10. And there came out of them a wicked root, Antiochus, surnamed Epiphanes, son of Antiochus the king, who had been an hostage at Rome. And he reigned in the 137th year, 37th year of the kingdom of the Greeks. So we just read about Antiochus Epiphanes and all the wickedness he done to the Israelites. And you ask yourself, well, I thought he was a hostage. How the hell did he get, get from being a hostage? Well, Demetrius, which was his brother's son, he traded places with him. And we're reading about that Demetrius right here. So going back to this article, Demetrius Soter, uh, Demetrius I, Soter, ruler of the Seleucid dynasty in Syria, son of Seleucus the uh, fourth. In his youth, Demetrius was hostage in Rome, 
when he became aware of the weakness of Antiochus V and the governor, Lystris, he escaped with the aim of wrestling the Syrian crown from his cousin. Dang. All right, that's how they get down. <laughs> that's how they get down. Now let's go back to First uh, Maccabees chapter 7, since we know who this Demetrius character is. So he come, he, he escaped from Rome <laughs> to, uh, because he heard his cousin was weak and he wanted that power. Verse yep, verse, read verse 1 again. In the hundred and one and fiftieth year, Demetrius, the son of Seleucus, departed from Rome and came up with a few men unto a city of the seacoast and reigned there. Mm -hmm. And as he entered into the palace of his ancestors, so it was that his forces had taken Antiochus and Lysias to bring them unto him. Wherefore, when he knew it, he said, let me not see their faces. He didn't want to look at his face. Now, remember, these were his kinfolk. He didn't want to see them. Read. So his host slew them. And he had his relatives killed. Read. Now, when Demetrius was set upon the throne of his kingdom, there came unto him all the wicked and ungodly men of Israel. Of who? Israel. Sellout niggas came to him. Read. Having Alcimus, who was desirous to be high priest, for their captain. And they accused the people to the king, saying, Judas and his brethren have slain all thy friends and driven us out of our own land. Now, therefore, send some man whom thou trustest, and let him go and see what havoc he hath made among us and in the king's land, and let him punish them with all that aid them. Mm -hmm. Then the king chose Bacchides, a friend of the king, who ruled beyond the flood and was a great man in the kingdom and faithful to the king. And he sent, and he sent with that wicked Alcimus, whom he had made high priest and commanded that he should take vengeance of the children of Israel. So he's going to kill his own people. Uh, I want you to jump down to verse 26. Then the king sent Nicanor, one of his honorable princes, a man that bare deadly hate unto Israel, with commandment to destroy the people. Now this is Nicanor. Read. So Nicanor came to Jerusalem with a great force and sent unto Judas and his brethren deceitfully with friendly words, saying, Let there be no battle between me and you. I will come with a few men, that I may see you in peace. He came, therefore, to Judas, and they saluted one another peaceably. Howbeit the enemies were prepared to take away Judas by violence, which thing, after it was known to Judas, to wit, that he came unto him with defeat. He was sore afraid of him, and would see his face no more. So Judas already knew it was some um, shadiness going on, really. Nicanor also, when he saw that his counsel was discovered, went out to fight against Judas beside Hophar Salamah, where there were slain of Nicanor's side about 5,000 men, and the rest fled into the city of David. After this went Nicanor up to 
to Mount Sion, and there came out of the sanctuary certain of the priests and certain of the elders of the people to salute him peaceably and to shew him the burnt sacrifice that was offered for the king. But he mocked them and laughed at them and abused them shamefully and spake proudly and swore in his wrath, saying, Unless Judas and his host be now delivered into my hands, if ever I come again in safety, I will burn up this house. And with that, he went out in a great rage. Then the priest entered in and stood before the altar and the temple, weeping and saying, Thou, O Lord, didst choose this house to be called by thy name and to be a house of prayer and petition for thy people. Be avenged of this man and his host, and let them fall by the sword. Remember their blasphemies, and suffer them not to, be, to continue any longer. So Nicanor went out of Jerusalem and pitched his tents in Beth Haran, wherein hosts out of Syria met him. But Judas pitched in Adasa with 3,000 men, and there he prayed, saying, O Lord, when they that were sent from the king of the Assyrians blasphemed, thine angel went out and smote an hundred, fourscore, and five thousand of them. Even so, destroy thou this host before us this day, that the rest may know that he hath spoken blasphemously against thy sanctuary, and judge thou him according to his wickedness. So the thirteenth day of the month Adar, the host joined battle, but Nicanor's host was discomfited, and he himself was first slain in the battle. So Nicanor got murked. Read. Now when Nicanor's host saw that he was slain, they cast away their weapons and fled. Then they pursued after them a day's journey from Adassa unto Gezera, sounding an alarm after them with their trumpets, whereupon they came forth out of all the towns of Judea round about and closed them in, so that they, turning back upon them that pursued them, were all slain with the sword, and not one of them was left. Afterwards they took the spoils and, the, and prey, and smote off Nicanor's head and his right hand, which he stretched out so proudly, and brought them away, and hanged them up toward Jerusalem. For this cause the people rejoiced greatly, and they kept that day a day of great gladness. Moreover, they ordained to keep yearly this day, being the 13th of Adar. Thus, the land of Judah was in rest a little while. Now, remember verse 49 says, Moreover, they ordained to keep yearly this day, being the 13th of Adar. Uh, uh, Adar. This is the day of Nicanor, y'all, all right? It's not a high holy day, but it is a, a I'm sorry, it's not a, a, high, a, um, a holy convocation, but it is one of our high holy days. This is a, a lesser uh, high holy day, the day of Nicanor. All right, so uh, from there, let's go to, we're going to go to First Maccabees chapter 9, but I got to fill in First Maccabees chapter 8, give you all some cliff notes because we're not going to read this whole chapter. In chapter 8 of 1 Maccabees, uh, Judas reaches out to the Romans. Judas Maccabees reached out to the Romans to uh, go into a contract with them 
and they accepted the conditions of the uh, contract in which Judas said that, hey, we'll be your friends and we'll fight your wars for you, but we need some help. And Judas was uh, asking them for help because the Greek the Greek army, man, they was, they was on Israel's head. They really was. They just kept messing with us. So we needed to form an alliance with the Romans and not just with them. We also, in this chapter 8, uh, formed an alliance with our brethren, our brothers, the uh, Lacedaemonians, also known as the Spartans, who were Israelites. Y'all can look, go back, do your own research. So that's what went on in chapter 8. Now we get to chapter 9. So let's go to First Maccabees chapter 9 and start at verse 1. Furthermore, when Demetrius heard that Nicanor and his host were slain in battle, he sent Bacchides and Alcimus into the land of Judea the second time, and with them the chief strength of his host. So he sent another army against Judas Maccabeus. Read. Who went forth by the way that leadeth to Galgala and pitched their tents before Massalos, which is in Arbella. And after they had won it, they slew much people. Also, the first month of the 152nd year, they encamped before Jerusalem. From whence they removed and went to Berea, and 20,000 footmen and 2,000 horsemen. Now Judas had pitched his tents at Elasa, and 3,000 chosen men with him. So he only had 3,000 men against, uh, what do they say, 20,000 footmen and 2,000 horsemen. So here he is going to war against 20,022 soldiers, and it's only, what did it say it was, 3,000 of them. So they were vastly outnumbered. Who, seeing the multitude of the other army to be so great, were sore afraid. So Judas's men were afraid, read. Whereupon many conveyed themselves out of the host. So a lot of people left. Now remember, he only had 3,000. Read. Insomuch as there abode of them no more but 800 men. And he was left with 800 men. Read. When Judas, therefore, saw that his host slipped away and that the battle pressed upon him, he was sore troubled in mind and much distressed, for that he had no time to gather them together. He had no time to gather them together. And remember, we read all of his wars. What was he famous for doing before he went to war? Anybody know? He would give them a a pep speech, and he would pray to the Most High. But here it says he didn't have time to gather them. I guess he didn't have time to do those things. Read. Nevertheless, unto them that remained, he said, let us arise and go up against our enemies. If peradventure we may be able to fight with them. But they dehorted him, saying, We shall never be able. Let us now rather save our lives, and hereafter we will return with our brethren and fight against them, for we are but few. Never take a call with the war. Read. Then Judah said, God forbid that I should do this thing and flee away from them. 
If our time be come, let us die manfully for our brethren, and let us not stain our honor. Because remember, Judas knew this in the beginning, because remember it said that he had took with them men that were ready to die. So they didn't know what they had signed up for. Read. With that, the host of the Kedes were moved out of their tents and stood over against their horsemen being divided into two troops and their slingers and archers going before the host, and they that marched in the forward were all mighty men. As for Bacchides, he was in the right wing. So the host drew near on the two parts and sounded their trumpets. They also, of Judas's side, even they sounded their trumpets also, so that the earth shook at the noise of the army, and the battle continued from morning till night. Now when Judas perceived that Bacchides and the strength of his army were on the right side, he took with him all the hardy men who discomfited the right wing and pursued them unto Mount Azotus. But when they of the left wing saw that they of the right wing were discomfited, they followed upon Judas and those that were with him hard at the heels from behind. So Judas... Even though it was but 800 of them, they gave them a run for their money. It says they had discomfited the people, the, the wing that was on the right. And what happened was they basically closed them in and had them in a circle. They surrounded them because the uh, left wing had came to help the right wing. Read. Verse 17, whereupon there was a sore battle insomuch as many were were slain on both parts. Judas also was killed, and the remnant fled. So this is when Judas Maccabees died. The brothers that were with him, they, they left. That's the 92nd mark, but we're going to keep going. Read. Then Jonathan and Simon took Judas, their brother, and buried him in the sepulcher of his fathers in Modin. Moreover, they bewailed him, and all Israel made great lamentation for him. And mourned many days, saying, How is the valiant man fallen that delivered Israel? As for the other things concerning Judas and his work, noble acts which he did, greatness, they are not written, for they were for they were very many. So and y'all seen the stuff that we done read tonight. And there was many wars, but they said it was more wars that ain't even mentioned that this brother fought. And they said, how is he dead? They couldn't believe it because this brother was so bad at war. Now, I know that David, David is the only person in the Bible that, that killed more people than the Most High. But I think that uh, Julius Maccabees probably give David a run for his money. All right, let's go to um, the Bible Atlas again. Page 184, I want you to go back to where you were reading and read the rest of that. And we're going to read all the way into 185 if we don't, if they don't shut it off. Okay. So the Jewish sacrificial system once again was carried out in accordance with the law of Moses. The festival of Hanukkah was instituted to commemorate this joyous event. Jesus declared, I and the Father are one while he attended this festival 200 years later. See John chapter 10, verse 22 through 30. 
Judas continued to struggle until his death in battle in 160 B.C. Which we just read. Read. As his confidence increased, Judas grew bolder and suffered defeat. However, the death of Antiochus IV in 164 B.C. led to an important concession to the Jews. Several claimants to the Seleucid throne, including the son of Seleucus IV, Demetrius I, and and the Seleucid general Lysias vied for power to win Jewish support. Lysias granted religious freedom to the Jews in 162 B.C., this act overturned the oppressive edicts of Antiochus IV and satisfied the Hasidim, many of whom gave up the armed struggle. They gave up what? The armed struggle. Now, remember, we read about the, the Hasidim or the uh, Hasidium. We read about them already, and these were the, the brothers that uh, were anti-Hellenism. But they, had, they gave in. They stopped fighting. And remember that these brothers would later become the Pharisees, all right? They would later become the Pharisees. So it's giving you a history of their character. So by the time you get to the New Testament, you can understand that these these Pharisees, a lot of them were sellouts. All right, read on. Later, Jewish leaders exploited the Seleucid dynastic rivalry to gain additional concessions, Jonathan. Jonathan became the leader of the revolt upon the death of his brother, Judas, in 160 B.C. His situation was desperate because many supporters had abandoned the conflict while Seleucid pressure increased. Jonathan moved to the Judean desert and carried on a strategy of hit-and-run tactics against the Kedes. The Seleucid general sent to oppose him. Bacchides finally made a truce with Jonathan, prompting Jonathan to move to Michmash, where he began to judge the people, and he destroyed the ungodly out of Israel. Reference in 1 Maccabees chapter 9, verse 73. Jerusalem, however, remained in the hands of Greek sympathizers and Seleucid troops. Go ahead, read the rest of that. All right, that was it? All right, cool. Um, where are you at? Oh, keep reading. That part. That part, yeah. Jonathan skillfully exploited the rivalry between Alexander, Balas, and Demetrius, both aspirants to the Seleucid throne. Rome and Jonathan backed the pretender, Alexander Balas, who claimed to be a son of Antiochus IV. For his support, Jonathan received the office of high priest. All right, so there it is, Jonathan taking the place of his brother Judas Maccabees, and y'all see how the uh, Seleucid dynasty they still fighting over power. Now you get this other cat. What's the dude named uh, Typhon? That came in. I think he was like an illegitimate son of. Uh, yeah, he was an illegitimate son of uh, Antiochus. He's he's going for the throne now. Read. Later, he was granted control over much of Judea and Samaria. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Jonathan was murdered by Trypho, mm-hmm. a Seleucid general representing yet another claimant for power, Antiochus VI. Is that it? Simon. Yep. Simon, the last surviving son of Matter. Hold on. Mm-hmm. 
So let's let's go ahead and cover uh, John's death, John uh, Maccabee's death. So let's go to First Maccabees chapter thirteen. We're gonna jump around. We ain't gonna read this whole chapter, y'all. Um, start verse one. First Maccabees chapter thirteen verse one. Now when Simon heard that Tryphon had gathered together a great host to invade the land of Judea and destroy it, and saw that the people was in great trembling and fear, he went up to Jerusalem and gathered the people together, and gave them exhortation, saying, Ye yourselves know what great things I and my brethren and my father's house have done for the laws and the sanctuary, the battles also and troubles which we have seen, by reason whereof all my brethren are slain for Israel's sake, and I am left alone. Now therefore, be it far from me that I should spare mine own life in any time of trouble, for I am no better than my brethren. Doubtless I will avenge my nation and the sanctuary and our wives and our children, for all the heathen are gathered to destroy us of very malice. Now as soon as the people heard these words, their spirit revived, and they answered with a loud voice, saying, Thou shalt be our leader instead of Judas and Jonathan thy brother. Fight thou our battles, and whatsoever thou commandest us, that we will do. So then he gathered together all the men of war and made haste to finish the walls of Jerusalem, and he fortified it round about, sent Jonathan the son of Absalom with him a great power to Joppa. Now, like I said, we're not going to read all of this. What ends up happening is this dude, Typhon, he sets Jonathan up. Jonathan came to visit him, and uh, he said he wasn't going to... He saw Jonathan, um, he caught him off guard. Because he basically he lied to him, he tricked him. He invited him to um, sit down so they could discuss matters, and he ended up tricking him, and he had him captive, and he had him hostage, and he would let him go, and he uh, ransomed him. He ransomed, ransomed, ransomed him off. Basically, he told uh, Simon, his brother, to send Jonathan's son to him in exchange for Jonathan. And what happened was uh, Simon sent the son, and uh, Trifon did not let Jonathan go, nor his son. Wow. And he ended up killing them anyway. And the reason uh, Simon sent them is because Simon was like, if I don't send them, then the people going to blame me for wow. Trifon killing killing my brother Jonathan. The people going to blame me. And if the people blame him, they won't want to fight. So he say, if I don't send them, that's what's going to happen. So I might as well send them anyway, even though I know Trifon is going to kill him. So he was in a situation where he was damned if he did, damned if he didn't. So he ended up sending them anyway, and this is what happened. So jump down to verse uh, 22. Wherefore, Typhon made ready all his horsemen to come that night, but there fell a great snow by reason whereof he came not. 
So he departed and came unto the country of of Galad. And when he came near to Boscama, he slew Jonathan, who was buried there. Afterwards, he, he killed Jonathan, and that's where Jonathan was buried. Read on. Afterwards, Tryphon returned and went into his own land. Then sent Simon and took the bones of Jonathan, his brother, and buried them in Modin, the city of his father. That's where they had their uh, sepulcher at. That's where uh, Matthias was buried at. That's where Jews Maccabees was buried at. Read. And all Israel made great lamentation for him and bewailed him many days. Simon also built a monument upon the sepulcher of his father and his brethren and raised it aloft to the site with hewn stone behind and before. Now, jump over to... uh, Jump over to verse 50. Now, I'm I'm skipping a lot of history, y'all. Go back and read this. Then cried they to Simon, beseeching him to be at one with them, which thing he granted them. And when he had put them out from thence, he cleansed the tower from pollution and entered into it the three and twentieth day of the second month in the hundred seventy and first year with thanksgiving and branches of palm trees and with harps and cymbals and with vowels and hymns and songs because there was destroyed a great enemy out of Israel. He ordained also that they should that excuse me, he ordained also that that day should be kept every year with gladness. Moreover, the hill of the temple that was by the tower he made stronger than it was, and there he dwelt himself with his company. So and here we have the day of Simon, which is also a holy day. Read on. And when Simon saw that John, his son, was a valiant man. That who is son? John. Enters, now enters John Hycranus. Simon's son, remember that name, y'all, read. Was a valiant man. He made him captain of all the hosts, and he dwelt in Gazar. All right. Now let's go to First Maccabees chapter 16 now. First one. And uh, verse 1. Then came up John from Gazara and told Simon, his father, what Sindabaeus had done. All right. So we ain't going to read this whole chapter either, y'all. Time restraint. Go to uh, the uh, Bible Atlas, page 185, where it says uh, Hasmonean Dynasty. Okay. The Hasmonean Dynasty. Simon and his descendants governed an independent Jewish state. So the Hasmonean dynasty starts when Simon and his son, his his uh, offspring, John Hycranus, starts to reign. Then there be, there became known as the Hasmonean dynasty. Read. <laughs> Approximately 80 years until Roman intervention in 63 B.C. So these brothers reigned by 80 years. To Roman, to Rome, intervene. Read. Historians call this line of kings the Hasmonean dynasty, named after an obscure ancestor of Matthias, <clears throat> mentioned in the works of the first-century Jewish historian Josephus. 
see chart of Hasmonean rulers below. The Hasmonean rulers expanded their control to include most of Palestine. At the same time, these kings betrayed an increasing inclination toward Greek ways and the pomp of pagan royalty. What did they do? At the same time, these kings betrayed an increasingly increasing inclination toward Greek ways and the pomp of pagan royalty. Ain't that ironic? Their forefathers fought so hard not to be Hellenized, and these niggas come along and they Hellenize themselves. We don't. Because they bore the title high priest, even though Mattathias was not of high priestly lineage, traditional Jews such as the Pharisees, who appear, who first appear in this era, distanced themselves from the Hasmoneans. So the, originally the Hasmoneans and the Pharisees had beef. Read. Tensions between conservative elements and the royal court eventually led to armed conflict in the reign of Alexander Janaeus. Here it is again, a civil war. This is us fighting one another. And this is when we were, we were done fighting with the Greeks. Now we're fighting amongst each other. Niggas, man. Read. Simon expanded the Jewish state to the coast when he seized Joppa and Gezer, he reaffirmed Judea's status as an ally of Rome. Antiochus VII, one of the last effective Seleucid kings, tried to reign, regain Palestine, but Simon and his sons repulsed the invasion near Modin. In 135 BC, Simon and most of his family were murdered in a palace coup at a banquet held at at Doc near Jericho. That's in Maccabees, uh, the 16th chapter that we didn't have a chance to read. Um, yeah, they they were tricked. They were invited to a, a banquet, and they were murked. Um, reading that story reminded me of the Red Wedding from uh, Game of Thrones. Read on. The coup leaders intended to hand Judea over to Antiochus VII. The coup failed because Simon's son, John Hyrcanus, was at Gazara. Because he, he wasn't there. They was trying to kill the lineage off, the bloodline, but John Hyrcanus wasn't present. Read. John managed to reach Jerusalem, where he was proclaimed high priest. Yep, turn the page. Antiochus VII's death. Oh, I'm sorry. What, is that still John Cranus? Yes. Yeah, keep reading. Antiochus VII's death in 129 B.C. left John Hyrcanus in a position to extend his rule further. In that year, John attacked Medeba east of the Dead Sea and added the surrounding territory. A year later, he led a campaign into Samaria, eventually destroying the Samaritan temple on Mount Jezreel. So what John Hyrcanus ends up doing is finishing the work that his uncle and his dad did, which was reconquering all the territories of Israel that we had, which wasn't a bad thing. We're going to read what he did wrong. Read. John conquered Idumea in 125 B.C. He conquered Idumea, the land of the Edomites. Read. Forcing the Idumeans to submit to Jewish religion or leave. This is what he did wrong. He forced the Edomites, so-called white people, to convert 
to Judaism when he should have killed them. Because remember when the Most High gave us the land, what did he tell us to do? Give me uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse 1. Verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Gerg- and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them. You were supposed to kill them and not make a contract with them. But what did John Hycranus do? He forced converted them and made contracts with them. Let's go back there. John conquered Idumea in 125 B.C., forcing the Idumeans to submit to Jewish religion or leave. A second campaign northward against the cities of Samaria and Skystopolis brought more of Samaria and the Esdraelon Valley under Jewish control. Right. And remember, around 722 B.C., when the Assyrians, had displaced the northern kingdom and they had brought those four nations into the land of Samaria, they were still there as well as a lot of Israelites were still there also. They went back during the time of um, the Persian and Mede captivity. They went back. They resettled their land. They were still there also. But a lot of nations were there. And what did John Hyrcanus do? He forced converted them also. So by the time you get to the New Testament and you read about the Samaritans, especially the lady at the well, talking about our father worshiping this mountain, so and so, she was a nation, but she knew our history. You know, and she and she was forced converted. Her her forefathers anyway. Read the thirty year rule of John Trapanus, one thirty five to one o five to 104 B.C., lifted the political and economic fortunes of the Jews, but it revealed some curious features. The Hasmonean dynasty... Now listen to this. Curious features. <laughs> Read. The Hasmonean dynasty took on the characteristics of a Hellenistic monarchy. They took on the, the characteristics of being Hellenized. They was just like the people... Their ancestors, their fathers gave their lives to protect our culture and our heritage. Now these niggas is joining in for free. That's why you look at their damn names. You you got hold of that. Give me that real quick. I want to show y'all some of these some of these niggas' names. Mm-hmm. Read this chart of the head. This, this, this is the Hasmonean uh, rulers. Listen to their names. Hasmonean rulers. John Hyrcanus. First, I don't know where he get this Hyrcanus stuff from. This sounds Greek, Greek to me. Read. Um, 135 to 104 B.C. Aristobulus, 
Aristobulus, really? What else? Alexander Janaeus. Alexander Janaeus or Alexander Janus. All these Greek names. Read. Salome Alexandra. Salome Alexandra. Come on, man. And this is a woman. Read. Hyrcanus II and Aristobulus II. All Greek names. Hmm. Now go back to what we was reading. The Hasmonean dynasty took on the characteristics of a Hellenistic monarchy. John employed foreign mercenaries in his army. He changed the names of his children from Hebrew into Greek. We just read that. You, you watched your father, you watched your uncle die for this, only for you to do it without being forced. You're talking about relatives turning over in their grave. Mm-hmm. Read. Although he avoided the title king, his court gradually assumed the trappings of Greek culture. Religion became a tool of conquest with John and his successors as conquered people were forcibly converted to Judaism. You see, you see this, man? We don't. The majority of Jews supported John, but such actions stirred grave concerns among Orthodox groups. John favored the Sadducees over the Pharisees. The Sadducees came from the aristocratic landowners, priestly upper classes, who were more comfortable with royal power and perhaps less offended by certain accommodations to Greek customs. They didn't care. They would sell out. These were the people that Christ is battling all throughout the New Testament, y'all. All right, let's get this book right here. It's the last thing we're going to read in the close of shop. Uh, page 530 and page 531. And the reason I went through all of this history, man, this is really a crash course of the Maccabees. So y'all might be able to go back and research this stuff yourself. So by the time you get to the New Testament and you see Paul using the terminology when he says there's no difference between Jew or Greek or Roman or Greek, or he keeps using the word Gentile. He's talking about these Israelites that were Hellenized, whether during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes or during the time of John Hycranus and the Hasmonean dynasty. Read this. In 143 B.C., Simon Maccabee, taking advantage of the struggles among the Parthians, Seleucids, Egyptians, and Romans, wrested the independence of Judea from the Seleucid king. A popular assembly named him general and high priest of the second Jewish commonwealth, 142 B.C. to A.D. 70, and made the latter office hereditary, yes, hereditary in his Hasmonean family. Judea became again a theocracy under the Hasmonean dynasty of priest kings. It has been a characteristic of Semitic societies that they closely associated the spiritual and temporal powers in the family and in the state. They would have no sovereign but God. Hey, remember what Christ said. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What leaven? They were Hellenists. That's what he was telling us. Even Paul said what? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
talking about the influence of Hellenization. By this time, it was Romanization. Same thing, the Greco-Roman Empire, same people. Recognizing the weakness of the little kingdom, the Hasmoneans spent two generations widening its borders by diplomacy and force. By 78 BC, they had conquered and absorbed Samaria, Edom, Moab, Galilee, Idumea, Transjordania, Gadara, Pella, Jerasa, Raphia, and Gaza, and had made Palestine as extensive as under Solomon. So they extended the kingdom, but they Hellenized, I'm sorry, they, they Israelite lies, but Judites, they converted all of them to to Judaism. Look at all the nations that was mentioned. Yes. What did the Most High always tell us? Learn not to wear the heathen. Don't do what the heathen do. Don't mingle with the nations. Don't make no contracts. But this is what we kept doing. We still doing it now. We want to be American so damn bad. Read. The descendants of those brave Maccabees who had fought for religious freedom enforced Judaism and circumcision upon their new subjects at the point of the sword. At the same time, the Hasmoneans lost their religious zeal and over the bitter protest of the Pharisees yielded more and more to the Hellenizing elements in the population. Y'all see this? Read. Queen Salome Alexandra, 78 to 69 B.C., reversed this trend and made peace with the Pharisees. But even before her death, her sons, Hyrcanus II and Aristobulus II, began a war of succession. Both parties submitted... civil war, again. Read. Both parties submitted their claims to Pompey, who now, 63 B.C., stood with his victorious legions at Damascus. When Pompey decided... The Roman general Pompey, read. When Pompey decided for Hyrcanus, Aristobulus fortified himself with his army in Jerusalem. So Pompey sided with one of the brothers to go against the other brother, read. Pompey laid siege to the capital and gained its lower sections. But the followers of Aristobulus took refuge in the walled precincts of the temple and held out for three months. Their piety, we are told, helped Pompey to over, overcome them. Their piety. What piety? Listen to this. Read. For perceiving that they would not fight on the Sabbath. They wouldn't do what? Fight on the Sabbath. Remember what Matthias told the Israelites back then during the time of the Maccabees. If we do like our brothers and don't fight on the Sabbath, we're going to die like them. Mm-hmm. Now, this is their offspring doing the same thing that they fought against. Come on, man. We know. The mounds and battering rams for the next day's assault. Meanwhile, the priests offered the usual prayers and sacrifices in the temple. When the ramparts fell, 12,000 Jews were slaughtered. Few resisted. 12,000 of us were killed. Few resisted because it was the Sabbath. Read. 
none surrendered, many leaped to death from the walls. Suicide. Read. Pompey ordered his men to leave the treasures of the temple untouched, but he exacted an indemnity of 10,000 talents. That's the equivalent of $3,600,000 from the nation. Wow. Read. The cities that the Hasmoneans had conquered were transferred from the Judean to the Roman power. Hyrcanus II was made high priest and nominal ruler of Judea. A nominal ruler, meaning he was a fake ruler, a puppet. Ruler in, name. Um, in name only, read. But as the ward of Antipater and the Idumean who had helped Rome. Now, Antipater is Herod, Herod's uh, father, who you read about in the New Testament, who was called uh, the king of the Jews. He was an Edomite, read. The independent monarchy was ended, and Judea became part of the Roman province of Syria. So by the time you get to the New Testament, that's what you read. Israel being part of Rome, a Roman province. All right, y'all. Uh, I know it was a lot of information. We was jumping around a lot. Uh, that ain't it? Oh, keep reading then. Let's go to finish it. In 54 B.C., Crassus, on his way to play the part of Pentheus at Ctesiphon, robbed the temple of the treasures that Pompey had spared. So Pompey left money, and this other clown went back and got the rest of the money. Read. Amounting to some 10,000 talents. When news came that Crassus had been defeated and killed, the Jews took the opportunity to reclaim their freedom. Longinus, successor of Crassus, a governor of Syria, the revolt, and sold 30,000 Jews into slavery in 43 B.C. In that same year Antipater died, the Parthians swept across the desert into Judea and set up as their puppet king. Antigonus, the last of the Hasmoneans, he was the last one, read, Antony and Octavian countered by naming Herod, son of Antipater, king of Judea, and financing his Jewish army with Roman funds. That's Octavius, Octavius uh, Caesar, also known as Augustus, and Mark Antony. Read. Herod drove out the Parthians, protected Jerusalem from pillage, sent Antigonus to Antony for execution, slew all Jewish leaders, who had supported the puppet and so auspiciously entered upon one of the most colorful reigns in history, 37 to 4 B.C. The most colorful reigns in history. And the colorful reign is talking about, it's talking about the reign of Herod and the Herodians, Mm -hmm. the Herodian dynasty. That's the New Testament. All right, y'all. I know it was a lot of history. We did a whole, whole lot of reading. Uh, the water for everybody tuning in, especially if you're still listening in, the water machine for hooking up the broadcast. Uh, if you got any questions about this class or any other uh, topic, um, you can hit me up at 314-482-9110. Or if you just want to rap to a brother, man, hit me up. That's cool, too. But we welcome all questions, y'all. Please keep the questions coming. But that will do it for the topic of uh, Hanukkah also known as Feast of Dedication, also known as the Feast of Lights. 
All right, y'all. With that, we're going to say shalom. shalom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.